Welcome to the More Happiness, Less Suffering podcast. I'm Casey Howe, Senior Meditation and Dharma Teacher for Inside LA. And I'm Dr. Monisha Vasa, Psychiatrist. In our little podcasting studio in Orange County, California, we bring wisdom from the couch and the cushion to your real-life questions and struggles. So grab a cup of tea and join us. We're, We're so glad, glad you're, you're here. here. Welcome back. Um, today we are talking about living with ease during times of worry. And, you know, as we all know, these are some difficult times that we're living in right now between coronavirus and um, being an election year. And so anxiety is something that we all are familiar with at the moment. So as always, we're going to start with a poem. And this is a poem called Edge. It's actually a poem I wrote about uh, an anxious night that I was having myself. Um, and so it's a little bit longer than some of the other ones. So I'm actually going to read a little bit and Casey's going to read a little bit. So here we go. 2 a.m. anxiety. You are words that don't make sense. Stories without endings answerless questions and questionless answers living and dying all at once 2 a.m anxiety i am dancing with death more than life twirling on a razor's edge if there ever was one of when i will look back and remember this was all a dream a fragile glass that falls in slow motion shards flying before it even hits the ground 2 a.m. anxiety, you are insomnia, oceans of tears, canyons of fears, the sweetness of fleeting kisses, and the aching beauty of near misses. 2 a.m. anxiety, you are card games and afternoon cups of tea, and talking past midnight on Saturday. You wrap me in worry of when will my turn come, and how will I navigate joy and pain with strength and grace, and what does that even mean? 2 a.m. anxiety. One day soon, I promise I will call you by your name. Drain you of power, loosen your chokehold around my neck. Your voice or your vice around my stomach. Your what ifing, future tripping, fear mongering will dissolve under the light of awareness that this is all there is. 2 a.m. anxiety. Dim light of a single lamp until I feel myself here, breath becoming words and weight of this pen in my hand, ink appearing like mystery, the sound of silence as night lives on. 2 a.m. anxiety, you are ice melting in my chest, becoming a thousand rivers under the heat of a single heartbeat. So today we're talking about worry, anxiety, fear. Um, and this is something that a lot of my patients are struggling with right now. And a lot of us are struggling with right now. You know, obviously some of us just have some degree of anxiety at baseline and um, the current environment, as I mentioned with, you know, the coronavirus and the election and, um, other factors, you know, can certainly exacerbate that anxiety. And so today we're going to explore how we navigate that from a mental health and from a mindfulness perspective 
and just see if we can get some sense of how we can all feel a little bit more grounded when everything feels ungrounded. Yeah, so what are the things that you are mentioning to your patients as they come in and maybe come to you with some sense of more aggravation mm-hmm. than than usual? Like you mentioned, we do have a baseline of, of anxiety and and I think that when there is more of a of a national or global phenomena, there's a lot more what ifing, like mm-hmm. you mentioned uh, in your poem. Mm-hmm. And I know from like a meditation background, going into don't know mind and staying with what is here in the present moment, of course, is easier said than done. What things that you know, come to your mind when you're faced with this uh, in a patient situation? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's difficult because each patient obviously is so different and what they need is so different. Um, But I think the first question is usually to try to get a sense of the patient's experience. Like what is the nature of their anxiety? How does it feel, you know, in in terms of their body sensations, their thoughts and emotions, and really try to begin from a place of naming one's experience. think one of the challenges with anxiety is that it feels so out of our control and it feels so big in the moment that when we can name both our experience as well as the nature of what might be triggering that anxiety from us, even the very process of naming that um, brings some sense of control to something that feels uncontrollable. Yeah, absolutely. I think that when we're coming to terms with with the anxiety and things that are not present, I think very, very simple steps of coming back into what is known mm-hmm. very simply and going back to the roots of, of like mindfulness 101 is so important because what is real is so extremely simple and and small. So what is real is exactly what you're doing right now. This is like the known that's all we know so things like going back to sitting standing walking lying down so these are the very roots you know, if we look at the satipatthana sutta you know one of the the, the main suttas in the theravada you know tradition of buddhism where buddha just laid out these very simple steps to come home back to reality like we all want truth above all else and yet the mind will take us away from the truth of what is every chance it gets into catastrophizing, into ruminating, into rehearsing, into rehashing, anything but what is actually real. Like as we sit right here, the only thing that we know that's real for you and I is that we're sitting, we're breathing, we're doing a podcast, everything else I don't know. There could be a zombie apocalypse outside. (laughs) I don't know. I know that I'm sitting I know that I'm breathing. And so the invitation is always there when we catch the mind moving ahead of itself. What am I doing right here, right now? Hands on the steering wheel, listening, sensation in my sitting bones, my feet. This is what's real. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and what I like about that is I feel like anxiety is such a process of the mind running away with itself you know, and the thoughts almost taking on a life of their own, 
And oftentimes when we actually examine those thoughts, we'll find that our mind is way ahead in the future, far away into something that has not even happened yet, may not happen yet. In fact, we often talk about so many of the things that we worry about never even come to pass. And a lot of those tools that you're talking about, about coming back to the present moment, about coming back to the actual here and now experience, bring us back from sort of our mind running away from us in that fashion, which is how anxiety often feels. And Casey, I know that you've talked a lot sometimes about how meditation for anxiety in particular might be different than other types of meditation. And I hear that a lot from some of my patients, like it's too uncomfortable to try to sit with my emotions in the moment because the anxiety feels so frightening or feels so real or feels you know, it does feel based in reality, based on all the input that I'm getting from news and social media. So can you talk a little bit about how when you have clients that you work with who are struggling with anxiety, what specific pointers you might give them when they say that it feels too frightening to actually sit with whatever is in the here and now? Yeah, for sure. Sitting with what is in in the here and now if we look at this approach is more of a vipassana approach or inside approach where we're looking at the nature of how things are and this is actually a very advanced practice when it comes to looking at something that's as strong as anxiety because these things that we want to pierce into the nature of them and see that in actuality they're paper tigers. When we're looking at something heavy like that, they could overthrow our awareness. And so it's important to, to for one, honor your coping mechanisms. So those things that are completely outside of meditation and, and into the, the realm of distraction. So honor Netflix meditation, <laughs> honor ice cream meditation, honor, call a friend meditation, those things. So honor those as you very skillfully start to move towards resting with non-judgmental awareness of what is. And so the, the, the more mundane things that you could do, you could distract yourself, and those are more like Band-Aids, and that's totally fine, and honor that. As you move into the meditation realm, you want to anchor yourself in something that is very grounding, very heavy. So this is why moving into the body is very nice, and especially walking meditation, because walking meditation, it gives uh, the body movement. And so if there's energy in the body, if there's anxious energy in the body, I think this is where we came up with pacing, just mm -hmm. naturally we pace. Walking meditation, is also very grounding, of course, if we're rooting the energy of the body through attention in the bottom of the feet. So as we're walking, we're paying attention to the bottom of the feet and we're bringing the energy down. So that when we feel anxious, the energy is up in the, in the head area. Let's say if we were a tree, we we're being blown around, you know, by situations and whatnot. So bringing the energy into the feet and you could with every step feel like you're connecting to the earth connecting to all beings on the earth that are fed and resourced by the earth and also to this other aspect it's 
really, really important is opening the heart. And of course, when we feel love and compassion and whatnot, very positive chemicals are released in the brain and you could actually combine these two practices. So do some walking meditation with loving kindness phrases. So with each step, may I be happy. May I be at ease. May I be healthy. May I feel safe and protected. So with each step, we could open the heart and that makes us feel more full, connected, grounded, and then also walking meditation. This is also a great time to incorporate something, a, a visualization practice. Loving kindness is one, and you could also do a mantra meditation or something like that that gives the mind something really heavy to anchor to. Mm -hmm. It's a really, a, another really good tool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so in a sense, kind of finding ways to bring about a sense of groundedness, but also to kind of channel that restless energy that the mind has. Um, and I, I actually really appreciate what you said about honoring um, our coping mechanisms, because I think that we need all tools available to us, especially when anxiety is running you know, more high than normal. Um, and I think that you know, that could be a variety of things. I mean, that could be all the things that you mentioned, ice cream, Netflix, call a friend, which is particularly important, finding that sense of support and community and the people that you can rely on when you're having a difficult time emotionally, um, but also relying on your sources of mental health support. So if you have a psychiatrist or if you have a therapist, there would be nothing wrong with saying that this is a time when my anxiety feels like it's flaring up and I feel like I need additional support, whether that be medication support, whether that be therapeutic support. Um, I really think that when, you know, as I said, in times like these, when anxiety is sort of more at the surface and perhaps more intense than normal, we want to utilize all the tools that are available to us. And there's absolutely no shame or no sense of weakness in reaching out for that additional help when we become aware that we're struggling more than normal or more than usual. Yeah, absolutely. And then if we do get to the point where we could look with non-judgmental awareness of what is, remind, reminding yourself that anxiety is made up of only three parts, and that's thoughts, emotions, and body sensations. So this is what we're looking at. None of them in and of themselves are sharp like a knife. They don't have teeth, although they feel like they, they do. And don't underestimate just a few seconds of looking at them with non-judgmental awareness. If you could be with them, if you, if you can get to the point of being with them just as they are, watching them come, watching them abide, watching them go, and taking refuge in that neutral observer. If you can, some of these are really sticky, obviously, and seductive, and they kind of pull us in. But if you can, for a few seconds, just notice. You know, just notice thought arising, emotion arising, and you notice that it'll come, it'll hang out a little while, and it'll go, and you're still there, you're still resting, awake and aware in this non-judgmental awareness 
that's automatically non-judgmental. So there's a lot of openness in that. And we could talk about this in, in another podcast. The openness of awareness, the capacity of awareness is really infinite to hold these things. And from this viewpoint, we understand that they are passing through our view and we don't need to self-identify as what's arising. So there is this great safety there, this great sense that I'm okay, this is, this is uncomfortable, but I'm okay, and it's passing. So it gives us this opportunity. Even if you could do that for a small amount of time, and we want to do it for a small amount of time, when the things that we're looking at are more dense. So this is skillfulness. Like, I could be with you for maybe 15 seconds, and then I go for a walk. So with that, we're going to end with a little meditation. So if you're not operating heavy machinery or in your vehicle, please join us. If not, you could just have a listen. So allowing your eyes to close. And one of the most important things that we could do when we have anxiety is to reframe our aversion. The part of us that does not want it to be there to understand that this is actually compassion arising, not wanting to suffer. So go ahead and access this compassion, this part of yourself that does not want to suffer. And this goes for any anxious moment or even a sense of just feeling uncomfortable. And as you access this compassion, maybe mentally repeating a very simple phrase, may I be free from suffering. May I be free from suffering. So allowing this just to be an intention, not a demand. Just a wish. And seeing if you can put behind those words an energy of nurturing, of nourishment. seeing what it's like to fully be there for yourself.
May I be happy, may I be joyful, may I be free from suffering, and may all beings everywhere without exception, may they all be free.